Welcome to Healthy Voyager Radio. I'll be your host, the Healthy Voyager, Carolyn Scott. Thanks for tuning in to Healthy Voyager Radio. I'm the Healthy Voyager, Carolyn Scott Hamilton. I hope you all had a great 4th of July weekend and are continuing to have a fantastic summer. I know in some parts of the nation, it's crazy, crazy hot. I'm uh, originally from the East Coast, so I remember those super humid summers out here. It's not too bad, but uh, either way, stay uh, nice and cool and hydrated. Um, it's very dangerous to be out in the sun when it's that hot, so be careful this summer. All right, so uh, as I mentioned, it's summertime, and uh, we want to be eating lighter, fresher meals, right? And since the kids are around for all three meals <laughs> plus snacks, you got to keep it creative too. So lucky for you, my guests today are pros on fun and healthy as well as mega fresh lunches and just all-around uh, meals for summertime. Um, so when temperatures begin to soar, the last thing we want to do is turn on the stove because heavy foods can make the body temperature rise. So lighten up for the summer with some fresh salads, fruit, and other chili dishes. Uh, it's also time to really increase your fluid intake, so drink lots of water or make, your, uh, make sure that you're getting a healthy beverage um, in every now and again uh, to increase your liquid intake. And, uh, and make your healthy beverage fun. It doesn't have to just be water. Um, load up on juicy uh, fruit like watermelon, uh, grapes, kiwi, and citrus like oranges and grapefruit. Um, they'll curb you, your sweet tooth, they'll be super refreshing, and they'll also add to your daily water intake because they're so juicy. Um, and like I said before, it doesn't have to just be water that you're taking in, but make sure it's not sugary, yucky drinks or you know fake juice drinks. Uh, anything that says juice drink means there's added sugar and chemicals. So if you're going to drink juice, make sure it's 100% juice. Um, but also get creative with your water. Try coconut water. There's a ton of coconut water products on the market now. Or better yet, toss in some cucumber and lime slices into a water jug like they do at spas. Get a nice um, water jug um, like that you can put on your counter that has a little spout so you can always have fresh water, um, cut up some cucumber and lime slices, and uh, it just gives you a little bit of a, a taste or a hint of some yummy flavor without having any added sugar or flavorings to your water. Um, another idea is to add strawberry or orange slices. That's really good too um, into your water, you know, just for a hint of that fruity flavor, again, without all the additives. Sugar and sugary drinks uh, can actually just make you more thirsty so water with hints of flavors keep you hydrated, um, hydrated, but still keep you happy and uh, give you something to uh, taste as opposed to just plain old water. Um, but if you're working out in the sun or playing sports, hiking, whatever, it's super important to uh, replenish your electrolytes because when you're sweating, you, uh, you lose them. So here's a quick little recipe to make a homemade batch of healthy Gatorade type of drink, you know, healthy electrolyte drink when you know you're going to be spending time sweating it up outdoors because Gatorade and store-bought sports drinks like that are pretty much poison. It's just nothing but junk. Um, this is a really, really simple one if you're, you're just kind of on the go um, and you want to make some quick stuff for trips um, to throw in your cooler. All you have to do is fill your glass or your BPA-free sports bottle halfway with water, the other half with organic orange juice. Um, make sure it's it's it doesn't 
if you don't want to do organic, I get it. Um, but make sure, like I mentioned before, that it's pure juice, not orange drink. It's got to be orange juice, uh, fresh, no crazy sweeteners or additives. And add a pinch of organic sea salt, about one-eighth of a teaspoon. Um, shake it up and you're ready to rock. The sea salt contains about 84 minerals. Aside from sodium, you're receiving uh, potassium, iodine, magnesium, calcium, zinc, manganese, and more. Um, but for a more complete electrolyte drink, uh, especially if you, you're a little sick, um, here's a really good recipe. The other one's just kind of quick to make sure that you're replenishing when you're working out. This one's good for if you uh, happen to uh, lose some of your lunch. <laughs> this one's really easy too. Um, it's a quart of water, a cup of orange juice, a half teaspoon of baking soda, a half teaspoon, again, of organic sea salt. Make sure it's sea salt because table salt is very, very different, um, the chemical makeup of it. Um, and three to four teaspoons of sugar or agave, depending on taste, um, because what you're doing is replenishing the sodium and the potassium and all that good stuff back into your system when you've lost it either from sweat or from or from yuckiness if you get sick. So, uh, yeah, make your electrolyte drinks at home. Uh, you don't need to buy that garbage at the store because it really is just garbage. Um, all right, so in addition to consuming healthy beverages to increase your liquid intake, great summertime foods should be filled with veggies and beans and whole grains. Um, veggies and fruit digest very quickly, which is good when you want to be up and running around in the sun and not rubbing your tummy on the couch. Uh, beans will fill you up and give you the protein that you need to keep going all day long. Um, and the same goes for light grains such as quinoa and millet whole proteins that digest easily and that are so light and fluffy that you're not going to feel like you've, you're in a food coma, which is essential um, when you don't you know, want to have that fat belly when you're running around in your bathing suit or doing stuff outdoors. Um, so there are many great sides and salads and dishes to be made with a wide variety of produce, beans, and grains. And with these foods uh, prepare, being prepared fresh um, and served chilled or at room temperature, that means cutting back on your cooking time as well as, you know, the time sweating over a hot stove so you have more time to enjoy your friends and your family and the great outdoors this summer. So um, get creative with uh, room temperature-y kind of chilled dishes that are quick and easy to make from fresh produce because um, then that way it saves you time in the kitchen. So plan out your meals depending on what is available fresh. Make enough to last a few days so that you're not cooking every day. Uh, and keep it light. So, you know, plan ahead. And if you're going to cook once, uh, make sure it lasts a few days. So make it count. Um, and if all you do uh, this summer is to kick up your water consumption, um, then that's going to help you kind of curb your appetite so you won't be so excited come fall to throw on your sweats, right? So that's pretty dangerous, and that's where the cycle begins. If you eat smart all summer long so that your jeans fit nicely at the onset of cooler weather, um, then you're not going to be so tempted to pull that baggy sweatshirt over your head come uh, next summer, um, you know, and all through through winter, just hide under big big old clothes. So start smart all summer so that you're nice and happy when you put on your winter clothes and they're not all tight and you just put on crappy comfy clothes um, and then you'll be all set for next summer. So it's all a big cycle. So if you get on the right track now, then you'll be all, all perfect and in good shape for next year.
All right, so aside from the previous tips, we have some great ones coming up from two great gals. Stay tuned as after the break, I'll be chatting with the creator and proprietor of the Lunchbox Bunch and Happy Healthy Life websites, uh, Kathy Patowski. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I know more about cooking dinner for a party of 12 than about packing a lunch for a 12-year-old. I know kids like things like fish sticks. Filets, I get, but sticks? Maybe we can just compromise on mac and cheese. Can you make that with Brie? You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to put up with you. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit AdoptUsKids.org for more information. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUsKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Healthy Voyager Radio. My first guest is the gal behind the very popular Lunchbox Bunch site, helping you make your kids and your own Lunchbox healthier and a lot more fun is Miss Kathy Patelski. Hello, Kathy. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Good. Are you sweating it up on the East Coast? Because I hear it's been pretty hot over there. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, it's so hot, and we only have one air conditioning in our apartment, so it's just crazy. But a lot of smoothies. (laughs) I'm, like, having two smoothies a day, minimum. That's a good excuse for a smoothie. Yeah. For sure. So tell us about the Lunchbox Bunch as well as your Happy Healthy Life site. Well, the Lunchbox Bunch is a brand of fruit and veggie characters that I created about four years ago when I just moved to New York City with my husband. And I just kind of started doodling some characters. Um, Art has always been a a sideline passion of mine. Um, And I just was having a lot of fun with it. I created characters like paparazzi peas and giggling onion and goofy bell pepper and prima donna apricot. And um, my nephew and some of the kids that I knew really liked the characters, so I continued doing it. And I knew there was such a, you know, demanding need for ways to get kids healthy and passionate and excited about fruits and veggies. So this was really a great outlook for that. Nice. And, yeah, and it really merged my two passions, which are art and nutrition. So it was a great fusing of those two. Um, and my Healthy Happy Life site is my current website, which features vegan recipes, food photography, wellness tips, product reviews, um, news about health and foodie news and anything you can kind of imagine that's fun and healthy. So I'm really having a lot of fun with that. Yeah, it's a great site. I love all your recipes. And I love the Lunchbox Lunch. I think it's just an adorable idea. And, uh, and yeah, we'll talk more about the, the books later. But, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, both of your sites. So, so far, your family is just you and your hubby and your cat. Since there were no kids yet, what drew you to creating children's books and healthy foods for kids? Well, like I said, I I recognize a serious need for some sort of creative way to get kids excited about um, healthy plant-based eating. And I've worked with kids all my life. I was babysitting when I was 10. I I worked um, in children's education at the Smithsonian's National Zoo for a few years after college. Um, So I've really been around kids a lot, and I'm naturally inspired by them. So it just kind of came naturally for me. But, yeah, no kids yet. (laughs) But I do the cat. (laughs) 
Oh, so the kitty, is the kitty vegan or does he eat all your cooking? <laughs> no, kitty's not vegan. <laughs> <laughs> so how and when did you decide to create the site? Because you said you worked at the zoo after college and all that stuff. When did you decide, you know what, I'm going to actually put these two, or at least you started with the lunchbox bunch first. And then right. really how did it kind of like snowball from there? Well, I never thought I would call myself a food blogger ever. <laughs> I've always had kind of a natural entrepreneurship morale, and my husband is also an entrepreneur. He's in the technology industry. So um, after we got married, I, I was really inspired by what he had done with his company. So I started my own company, and I started out doing things like graphic design and freelance art projects, and I was working in an art gallery and just a bunch of little projects. Um, and this was really my biggest project that I wanted to call my own. And happily, it's been working out fabulously, and I'm really having fun with it. Nice. And how long have you been vegan, and do you remember when and why you became vegan? Well, it, it really all starts with animals for me. And I know everybody has a different reason for why they go vegan. Some go vegan um, for health implications. Some people do it because they think they're going to lose weight. Some people do it because their friends are doing it. But for me, I remember being a teenager and just not thinking it felt right to be eating meat. I don't know why. Just something felt wrong. And all throughout college, I experimented with so many crazy diets. I remember I went on the Atkins diet for like a few months, and I went on raw diets and just crazy diets because I was studying nutrition in college, and I was so curious about everything. And settling at veganism just naturally occurred because it was what felt right for my heart, my head, and my body. So, Very cool. And you were studying nutrition. Was there anything in the curriculum that kind of stood out as veganism, or did you kind of forge your own, forge your own path? Because I know, like, in traditional school, that's not, you know, the, 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 in the coursework really per se. Yes. It's actually – it's really hard because I, I really wanted to go on and become a registered dietitian. That was my plan. Um, I got my degree in health promotion and nutrition. But I just wasn't motivated to do the full-on, you know, dietetic registered dietitian thing because it's, it's so hard because the government really goes by rules of servings and meat portions and dairy, and it's, mm. it's such a corrupt... <laughs> Oh, for Industry. sure. It's just really tricky. But um, I was able to kind of have my own little mark in my college classes and make my points on vegetarian eating. <laughs> and my professors were very um, enthusiastic about it. So it was nice. Yeah, that's good to have the support. Because, yeah, it's tough. I mean, medicine is the same way. Medical school is the same way. It's it's such a shame. But, but good for you that you were able to kind of like still make a, you know, get your degree in something somewhat related and kind of make your own career out of it. Yeah. So you're a self-taught chef. Um, where do you get your inspiration and your ideas on starting to come up with these delicious recipes for kids that are also good for the kid and all of us? Well, um, my fondest memories are probably of living in California and going to the farmer's market with my mom and my sister and coming home and cooking a big California feast with veggies and produce and grains and beans and um, my mom was always a big cook, so that's where it all started. And I'm just one of those people who's just drawn to food. I, I see them all the time. You know, some people call them foodies, but uh, I'm just really 
love going to different restaurants and, you know, watching the cooking reality TV shows and all that stuff. It's, mm-hmm. Especially living in New York City, it's easy to embrace that culture. Right. And so, yeah, the recipes, I'm, I like to be creative in the kitchen. All of my recipes kind of have some sort of outside-of-the-box spin, um, which some people don't like. Sometimes they'll say, I don't have this ingredient. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is not normal, but um, that's the type of spin I like to take on my recipes. Nice. Well, tell us a bit about your children's books, because I know that's kind of what prompted you to start the site, right? Um, yes. Uh, I have three children's books. Um, the first one is ABC Lunchbox, which is an ABC book featuring all the characters. And the second one is called On the Case, Super Senses. And that one, it goes through um, sensory ways to explore fruits and vegetables, like smelling an orange um, or touching the fuzziness of a kiwi, um, tasting the sourness of a lemon, things like that. And the last one is called The Wiggle Jiggle Book. And that one is a lot of fun because it's really interactive. It's great for um, like a large classroom of kids. You can get them to jump up and down, and it goes through different motions, sort of like it's kind of like an exercise tape on a book. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've, I've actually taught a few classes at Whole Foods where I've led the kids through the activities, and they really enjoy it. Fun, very fun. Do you have any more books or projects coming up for the Lunchbox Bunch, or is it kind of staying with the the website now? Well, I'm really on the technology kick right now, so I'm trying to convert all three of the books for the iPad and the Kindle and things like that, so that's what I'm focusing on. And I just came out with a smoothie iPhone app, so more more technology yes. projects, <laughs> which seems very to be cool. what everyone wants right now, so... Oh, for sure. Having it mobile, especially for kids, that's great. You know, put the give the iPad to them, and they can sit oh, yeah. in the long car ride, and Absolutely. there they go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely smart. So, might you have any summer lunch or snack tips for parents that are uh, that are kind of quick as well as cost effective? Because I know that's that's a big thing right now is is keeping things cheap while all the kids are home for the summer. Well. Um, not specifically. My my biggest tip when it comes to kids is to keep things creative and fun. I mean, really simple things like bright colors, putting kooky, quirky names to the foods that you're feeding them, um, doing some sort of a fun presentation, getting the kids involved. I have a recipe for uh, rainbow wraps where uh, all the fruits and vegetables are kind of chopped up into different rainbow-colored pieces, and then they can assemble them in their own little rainbow and then they wrap it up, and then you slice it and eat it. So I think getting the kids involved is really important, especially during the summertime when they have free time to do things like that. Right, absolutely. Keep them busy making dinner. (laughs) (laughs) So you cook a lot, and you're a quote-unquote foodie, but uh, you see them everywhere. What's your favorite (laughs) cooking utensil and why? Like in your kitchen, I know you said you're a smoothie freak, um, is your blender your friend, or what's what's your favorite thing to use in the kitchen? Well, yeah, you're probably right. It's, it is my blender because I am so smoothie obsessed. But um, I don't know. I like all my appliances. <laughs> I love my panini press. I love my juicer. Um, when we first moved into our – we moved into a new apartment about a year ago, and um, – our oven wasn't working, so I really had to use things like the panini press in a really creative way. Um, so I, I really like my appliances. 
<laughs> and for you, what food, uh, what food or ingredients do you always have to have on hand? Like, what's like the spice that you always use, or or are you just kind of all over the place? Whatever you feel like, you go grab it and, and make it. Well, my number one food that I always answer is my favorite is sweet potatoes. Um, I love making sweet potato mashes. Um, I also always drink coconut water every day, day and night. Um, I'm always talking about it. My favorite brand is probably One Coconut Water, which is apparently going to be in sale on sale at Trader Joe's now, which is really exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I'm really in love with having a papaya bowl or a melon bowl every morning. Um, I love avocados. I love beans, nuts, lots of salad ingredients on hand all the time. Um, I love vegan A's and field roast vegan sausages, um, apple cider vinegar, maple syrup. <laughs> I could go on and on. So, so a lot of it is, is fresh produce, and, and then you just kind of get creative from there. Yeah, yeah. What's seasonal at the farmer's market is always my favorite inspiration. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny. If you go to the grocery store and you're going for a few things and then you see something, you're like, oh, I'm going to make that now. Exactly. Yeah, I totally get what you mean. So where can we find out more about you and your recipes and where to bun- uh, buy the lunchbox, uh, lunchbox, lunchbox, <laughs> lunch goodies, <laughs> the tongue twister, and all the new uh, apps and, and neat stuff coming out? Well, you can go to my website, which is www dot healthy dash happy dot dash life dot com and I'm also very active on Twitter at Lunchbox Bunch. So those are my two sites. Excellent, excellent. Well I'm looking forward to uh your techie gadgets and apps and uh and uh the books and more yummy recipes for sure. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I totally appreciate you making the time in the hot, hot East Coast weather. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you so much, Carol. I was just on your website today, and I was thinking how great your videos were. I was like, she's like the healthy Rachel Ray. <laughs> so I just want to give you like a Food Network hey. show or something. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Well, well, I'll have to have you on when we do a kids show for sure. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Awesome. Stay with us after the break. Uh, I will be welcoming Raw Chef and Cookbook Queen, Miss Annie Pio. I want to finish school and then go to college to be able to graduate and have the future my parents couldn't have because I know that going to college is the best thing I can do for my future. The words of a parent help to build the future of a child. The Hispanic Scholarship Fund has the information to help your kids go to college. Visit yourwordstoday.org or call 1-877-HSF-8711. Sponsored by the Hispanic Scholarship Fund and the Ad Council. Thanks for coming back to Healthy Voyager Radio. My next guest is a master raw chef and boasts a number of fabulous raw vegan cookbooks. From learning the basics of raw cooking to out-of-this-world desserts, with me now is the queen of raw, Miss Annie Pio. Hello, Annie. Hello. Hi, Carolyn. So great to be here with you. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm very excited for you to tell our listeners all about the wonders of raw food. Oh, great. Okay. Thank <laughs> you. 
<laughs> so, Annie, what prompted you to go vegan and then to go on and become a raw vegan? I think, um, well, what it, well, what initially, I think, consciously prompted me to become a vegan, this is um, a, sort of a, sort of an embarrassing thing, but like when I was in college, um, I started eating the standard American diet, which is very different from the way I had been raised. And I remember one night after going out dancing to some punk show or something really late, um, the only place open was, was the fast food place. It was Burger King, the drive-thru. So everyone wanted to go there, so we went through. And I just, you know, just with everyone else, ordered a, a burger or a cheeseburger or something. And honestly, when I took a bite out of it, it just didn't feel right in my mouth. I don't know if actually maybe it was spoiled or nobody else got sick, but I just couldn't eat it. And I think right then was when just consciousness snapped in of what it was and what I was eating. And from that moment, I just sort of made a decision more from um, a health reason. I thought to myself, this is gross. I don't like it in my mouth. Um, it's the flesh is so similar to my skin that even in the preparation, I used to always say this and it would make people offend people. I don't, I'm not saying this to offend anyone, but just, <laughs> it sort of makes sense to think that if I was to cut my skin, like my finger, while I was preparing a hamburger and that fell into the hamburger, there's no difference. You know, it's like eating our own flesh. So it really grossed me out, that, that thought. And so, um, just consciously, I just realized I had heard, oh, eating meat anyway is unhealthy, and so I just made a decision like that. I'm like, oh, it's gross, so I'm just not going to eat it anyway. And then over, over time, soon after, as I started looking, you know, I always grew up with dogs. I love animals. Um, and as I started looking into the eyes of different animals and even into my dog, I could just see through to their soul. And I just realized, wow, this is a living being and a soul just like myself. You know, just because yeah. they're in a different form, you know, they still feel pain and have sadness and feel happiness. And so that really, really clicked in for me, too. So I think that's what prompted me. Initially, it was um, health, you know, driven by health and, and well-being and, and things like that. But then over time, it became compassionate reasons. Excellent. And, and, and you, we, we, did you go raw right away or did you transition from regular vegan to raw vegan pretty quickly or what was that transition like at that time I think I've always eaten tons of salads and then being raised my my dad was a raw vegan my father so he did a lot of mono dieting and we had our organic garden when we when we lived in upstate New York we had a big farm and a garden that we would tend to as children and then have vegetable juices every morning that my mom would make us so I was raised on a lot of raw, so I was used to eating tons of produce anyway. And so I'd, I'd always be eating salads and snacking on fruit. And when I went away to college um, was really when I was on my own for the first time, and the food halls had white flour and sugar and butter and cakes and deep-fried cheeses and pizzas and pastas, all these things that I didn't have in my household growing up. So that's sort of um, the path I went. And then... And then when my cholesterol, my mom saw me for the first time when, after I went to college and I had gained like 15, 20 pounds. I think it's like that freshman 15 or 20. And so she, I had never been overweight my entire life. So my mom was shocked and she took me for a blood panel and they discovered that my cholesterol was almost at 300. Well, of course, because that type of thing is driven by our diet. And I was eating dairy and deep fried things and white flour and sugar. So my mom then explained to me why I had been raised the way I was raised, why I was eating what I was eating. I had thought that we were eating that way because of my cultural heritage. I thought that that's how they ate in Korea, mm -hmm. more of like the raw food and 
um, whole foods and mono dieting because I thought, oh, it's a third world country and they don't know how to eat food. <laughs> so, yeah, it's so funny. So then, of course, she told me, and then immediately I went on a vegan diet. Immediately, my my cholesterol dropped, and um, the real plunge into the the full on raw food probably started happening in the mid 90s when I was in San Francisco doing dot com 1.0. Uh, somebody took me to a raw restaurant there, and I was just blown away by the flavors, how delicious it was, how beautiful it looked, how unique the cuisine was. And then that night, I couldn't sleep all night. And so I had all this mental clarity and focus. I had a presentation the next morning. I stayed up all night, got tons of work done, and then um, gave the presentation, and I felt great the next day. I didn't feel tired or have a hangover from not being able to sleep. So that's when I started um, thinking to myself, what was in that food that that gave me so much energy and mental clarity and gave me so much productivity? And, and that's when I started studying about it, started learning how to make it, and then started incorporating even more and more of that into my diet. It was very different because it was like a gourmet, delicious, beautifully plated style mm-hmm. of food as opposed to, you know, the, the mud-sledged vegetable juices my mom would make for us. It's more about function when I was growing up, and so it wasn't very fun. And, you know, in my lunch boxes and stuff, we'd always have vegetables and fruits and stuff, you know, in my lunch mm-hmm. box. And everyone else had, you know, bright-colored neon cakes and, and things and plastic wrappers that I always wished that I had. <laughs> I right, that, right. Yeah. And so later when I, you know, started making my mom this raw, raw cuisine, she was the one that linked it back. And she said, do you realize this is how your dad used to eat? This is why we ate the way we ate, and this is why we had our garden. And so she tied it back for me with that. Right. That's excellent. That It came full circle. Yes, it came full circle. And you weren't a chef before, but be- were you? And then you went raw and you decided this was such a great way to live. That Was that what prompted you to say, you know what, I think I'm going to start doing this for a living? I still, um, I still sort of contemplate that term chef because <laughs> I haven't been to formal culinary school because back then everything, you'd have to handle meat. I, I wasn't aware of any vegan culinary program, so I just, that wasn't really an option for me to go to a culinary school. Um, mm-hmm. The idea of handling flesh really freaks, freaks me out, so um, I didn't even think about that. And, but I did because I did love making food. I was always in the kitchen. I baked ever since I was, um, you know, like, I guess like in high school or middle school, I would just I would bake and make foods like in home ec class. And then I did a lot of internships and worked in catering kitchens. And so it was more that way, like self-taught and apprenticing. And that's mm-hmm. why I learned more than going to an official culinary program. And, um, yeah, so that's sort of how I – so during college and things, I worked in a lot of kitchens. So that's sort of how I got my, my culinary background. And you got excited when you went raw. Yeah, and so when I discovered this this delicious gourmet style of raw, what I was doing was um, the way I fell in, I sort of fell into it. So because I was making myself more and more of this food, I would carry it with me wherever I was. And, of course, when you open up these beautiful dishes, they're brightly colored, they smell really fragrant, fragrant. Everyone's like, what is that? You know, they smell it, they see it, they get curious. I'd start taking it to potlucks. People would start asking me, requesting things for me to bring to potlucks, especially like desserts, because they're totally guilt-free. They're nuts and seeds and fruit. No sugar, butter, nothing. Flour. So um, as I started sharing more and more of the food, people would just keep requesting more and more of it from me. And then I got to a point where I moved down to Los Angeles from San Francisco, probably around like 99, and there were no raw restaurants down here. 
at that time. And so there were a handful of chefs. There's only about three or four chefs down here. And we would each pick a different night of the week. And for the community, we would do community dinner. So I would, they would always be so kind to give me the weekends because I had a day job. And so on the weekends, I would do brunch. I'd do dinner on a Saturday night, Sunday brunch. And there'd be maybe, it grew to like 50 to 100 people. And I had a space, a big warehouse in Santa Monica, another warehouse space in um, like West Hollywood area, and then another big loft space in Pasadena. So we do it in different locations. It was like, you know, roving dinner, but it was regular every weekend. And it really grew. And that's the point at which I realized, why am I, you know, why am I getting up and making these large corporations more and more money? I had, I had been working with a big studio in, with this dream of creating positive role models for young girls, you know, in some of the mm-hmm. cartoon characters. I was doing character development and doing interaction design and um, convergence television and, and internet design. And at the end of the day, I realized it's such a large machine that they just keep reinforcing the same ne- negative stereotypes for young girls. And I'm not, it, it just takes a lot of energy. <laughs> if yeah. It's going to happen, if at all. And I realized, too, um, it was when we were having the rolling blackouts down here. And so it was so, like, we were short on energy, but yet the buildings were freezing inside to the point where people would wear coats. They'd have fleece blankets over their shoulders. It was hard to type because the our fingers were frozen. So they're over-freezing the buildings, even amidst an energy shortage. And the break rooms were using styrofoam, like four-ounce, you know, four- to six-ounce styrofoam cups, those tiny ones. People right, are right. That. Yeah, they're drinking water. One sip of water is throwing away the styrofoam cup, and they weren't re- recycling paper. And so I realized I'm like, you know, on the weekends, I'm doing this work to help people, you know, get healthy and live life to the fullest and live eco-green and have less impact on the planet. And then during the week... I'm like doing this work to make this large corporation money, more and more money, and they're not really giving back to the community. And, you know, so I realized, wow, with 100 people a week at these dinners, this is really a profitable business. And so that's right. when I decided to, you know, leave my corporate world background and focus 100% on the raw food, on the raw food business. So I sort of fell into it. I feel very blessed, very blessed that, um, that I, I had that opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're blessed to have you in the community. Oh, thank you. <laughs> in your opinion, what are the benefits of raw versus cooked? Well, there's so many benefits. Um, okay, for first, raw foods are naturally detoxifying and cleansing. So the way I like to think about it is that um, when fruits and vegetables aren't heated, they're full of fiber that haven't been softened or damaged. And fiber is like a broom. It sweeps through our system, and it's full of water. When we heat food... And research has found that the more heat that is applied to any food, the, it lowers nutrient value because we're damaging the vitamins and minerals and enzymes. So when we eat it raw, none of the water has been lost because it hasn't been heated. When we heat and cook food, the water is what evaporates off. So it has water. So the, the broom is sweeping through our system as a fiber, and then the water is hosing our insides clean. So that's like taking a shower. The cleaner our insides are, the less it can host fungus, bacteria, mold, virus. It's sort of this idea. Um, I use this co- a lot, but it, it sort of makes it clear to understand. But if I had a kitchen with a pile of dirty dishes in the sink for a week, there's going to be flies and gnats and pests, even cockroaches maybe, or a mouse. So if I clean my dishes all the time and my kitchen sink is always spotless, then those pests have nothing to thrive off of. So they'll go next door to a house that has a stack of dirty dishes. So I like to think of the inside of the body that way. 
When we're younger, we're taught to clean our rooms and wash our clothes, but we're never taught personal hygiene. So the cleaner our insides are, and the more nutrient-dense foods we're eating through local, seasonal, whole, raw foods, um, that's all nutrient-dense foods that actually boost our immune system and make us stronger. We're also eliminating a lot of the common allergens. Some of the most common allergens are uh, super-processed wheat. So in this country, we have gluten. Gluten intolerance is going up and up. More and more gluten-free products are coming out on the market. So there's mm-hmm. wheat, wheat allergies and intolerance. Soy is another huge one, besides which soy is the highest pesticide crop, besides being GMO, genetically modified. I, I'm Asian descent, and I'm allergic to soy in this country. I can't eat it. It gives me inflammation in my skin, makes me look like I have acne, but what it is is inflammation from the inside of my body coming out through my skin. So there's soy, corn, rice, wheat, um, you know, and then dairy products and animal products, are they're all inflammatory to the body. So as soon as we eliminate those, then our body gets leaner and tighter because the swelling goes away because there's no irritation happening inside the body. So immediately we have an illusion of losing weight because the inflammation has gone down. And when our body is fighting inflammation, it also drains a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy for our body to fight that. So the idea of eating raw foods for me is fueling up. So you know like after Thanksgiving, we feel uh, groggy and sluggish and we have to go pass out and take a nap. I never understood that because I thought, well, Food should be fuel for our body. So if we're eating fuel, how come we don't feel energized? Why do we feel lethargic and tired and run down? It's because with, by choosing what we, what we put in our body, some foods actually deplete our energy because it takes so much energy for the body to break it down, to digest it, and then to pass it through and eliminate it. So if we think about things like flour, and I'm not telling anyone not to ever eat flour. I'm just saying just to think about it because I believe in everything in moderation and never feeling um, deprived or guilty about what we eat, but rather having gratitude for having an abundance of choices and being able to select what, what we want to eat and, or decline. But um, we used to make paper mache paste with flour and water. And so if we think about, you know, flour products that we're eating, it puts a lot of stress on our body. It's like coating our entire digestive tract with paste and glue. And so the body has to chug, 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 and really work hard to get that out and pass it through our system. Whereas if we're eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, which are all FDA superfoods, so they're all touted by the FDA as being superfoods because they're so high in antioxidants. And again, antioxidants are damaged. The more the food is heated, the more the antioxidants are damaged. So, um, so they're all FDA superfoods that do our body, you know, really good and you know, they, they don't have, unless you're allergic to nuts, they don't have any allergic reactions. And I know that you're saying with raw foods, so those are some of the benefits of raw, but I also really push uh, the local seasonal because it's, for me it's sort of like a food safety issue as well mm-hmm. to keep these touch points where contamination could be entered into my food supply. I like to go local and seasonal as much as possible. I go to the, I'm lucky because I live in Los Angeles, so we have farmer's markets every day throughout the whole year. And some people, depending on where, you know, when I lived in Portland, Oregon, we didn't have farmer's markets for like four to six months during the year. So we have to always do the best we can. But when we buy, when we're able to go shopping at the farmer's market, those farmers have picked that produce literally like four hours before and then brought it to the farmer's market. So it hasn't traveled, you know, the conventional 1,500 square, um, 1,500 miles from farm gate to table. It hasn't gone through, you know, been picked by machines and then packed into a truck and then 
sent to the factory and then manufactured and then packaged again with labels and boxes and then put into another truck and then shipped to the warehouse and then shipped to the store. That's a lot of resources, besides which there's a lot of extra places along the way where contamination can be entered into the food supply. So it's like a food safety issue. Mm. So, um, yeah, those are some of the reasons. Also, weight loss. So when we're eating, that's one that people like, anti-aging and weight loss. <laughs> Although I don't like the word anti-aging because I actually like the process of aging. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. But weight loss. But for most people, for most people, especially in L.A., that's, that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's like, you know, with raw foods, it, it makes our body healthier from the inside out. And since our skin is our largest organ, it reflects the state of our health. So it's like raw foods is a great way to attain natural beauty, a radiance of health that will never fade. Right. What do you think is the most common misconception about raw cuisine? Because I know a lot of people are like, oh, they hear raw and they're like, what does that mean? So, but for you, what, what have you heard a lot when it comes to introducing raw foods to people who wouldn't normally go for that? Um, I think, number one, that to be healthy, it needs to cost a lot of money and take a lot of time. And so that's actually why I wrote my newest book, Annie's Raw Food Essentials, because I wanted to debunk that myth to show people that with a food processor, even without one, but with a food processor and with a blender, those are really the only two tools you need. You can just drop like, you know, two to four ingredients into a food processor or blender and make tons of dressings and smoothies and soups and sauces and um, burgers and just all these different crackers and all these different recipes. I wanted to show people how easy it really is. And it actually takes less time and it's more easy because all you do is drop stuff into the blender and or the food processor and it's done. And then you could just rinse it out. A lot of times, you know, that when we cook, things get baked on, caked on, dried on, and then we have to soak it after. So besides doing the same amount of prep, we then have to put it into a saucepan or a, a pan and on the stove and then wait for it to cook. And then afterwards, then trans- put it onto another plate or container, and then we have that whole pan to, to wash. So it's actually a lot faster and easier to eat, to eat raw. And... Uh, that's that's what I find. So that's why I wrote, right. I wrote that book because I wanted to show people. And it doesn't need to be expensive either. It can be done with just everyday ingredients, just fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, and whatever is available in our local market during the season. Well, tell us a little bit about your cookbooks because I know you mentioned that that's why you wrote uh, The Essentials to prove that it's not as difficult or as expensive as people might think. But I know you've written more than just that one. Yeah, my first, my first book was Annie's Raw Food Kitchen. And the goal of that was to sort of um, tie together this raw food diet to show people that it's more of a diet, it's really a lifestyle. Because the more raw foods I started enjoying when I first went 100% gourmet raw, what I noticed immediately was a decrease in my garbage in my house. Because most of the garbage, if we note, it comes from the kitchen. And if you look in your garbage can in the kitchen, most of the garbage is prepared packaged food packaging. So all the cardboard and the plastic and, you know, all the things that our food comes in. And so when we're buying in bulk and shopping at the farmer's market, all of that goes away. And so now all I create is organic compost, you know, all the ends of my carrots and zucchini and, and herbs and all that kind of stuff, which my dog eats for me. <laughs> so my dog <laughs> eats Yeah, and, um, or it's just recyclables. 
But again, even recyclables take a lot of energy to recycle. So I'm all about reducing and reusing, reusing before recycling. So that that's um that that was the idea behind the first book. There's like a chapter on the importance of reducing, the importance of reusing, the importance of organics. Another chapter is importance of clean water. Another chapter is importance of exercise and fitness. And so each chapter has a different theme, and I sort of um, focus on different elements of well-being and living life well type of thing, living an eco-green lifestyle. And then the second book is Annie's Raw Food Desserts. And I wrote that because I, so many people just love raw desserts. You can put them out at any potluck and people eat them up. And they're like, what is this? It tastes so good. And when you tell them there's no sugar, butter, eggs, flour, you know, none of that stuff. It's all FDA superfoods that are good for you and so good that you can eat it as a meal in and of itself. People are blown away. It's totally guilt-free desserts. So that's why I wrote Annie's Raw Desserts because I love, I love raw food desserts. And then the third one is Annie's Raw Food Essentials, and that just came out. And Annie's Raw Food Essentials, I have, a little, I have my Smart Monkey character pointing out basic recipes. So each section, um, each new style of recipe begins with a basic recipe. So I want to teach the reader how to master a basic. So for, let's say, a, a cheese that I make, I make a cheese with, I'll say, um, two cups of your favorite nuts and seeds, nuts or seeds, and then some lemon juice, some garlic, and salt. So those four ingredients. And you process that together in your food processor. And once you get the right texture that you want, if you want it to be more of a sour cream, you add more water. If you want it to be thicker, then add less. And then you have your base cheese. But it's like if you want to have like a dill herb cheese, then you can add in fresh dill. If you want a chipotle cheese, you can add in chipotle. So I teach you how to make different flavors off of the basic recipe once that's mastered. So that's the idea behind it. I also have a chapter on setting up your kitchen, what, what basic pieces of equipment you need. You can start really with just a food processor and a blender. So it, it can be easy entry. And the blender I have is super high powered, which I love, um, but they cost about four or $500. So I also recommend if people want to start with just a regular blender, that's fine too, but then perhaps grinding the nuts and seeds first in a grinder and then putting the powder into the blender will just help to attain a smoother texture. So I'm still teaching like tips and tricks like that. And then I have a shopping list for stocking your pantry and stocking your refrigerator, how to shop. And then also a common question I get a lot is how I travel. And so in the back I have travel foods to go where I sort of rank different recipes that last from anywhere from a half a day up to, you know, a week or two so that we, people can see which recipes travel really well. And then I have lots of different sample menus because, you know, a breakfast with a household of children on a weekday is going to be very different than a brunch on a weekend when we have more time to spend in our kitchen. And so I talk about, you know, if you have this for dinner on a week a weeknight dinner, then it works well the next day for lunch to take it to lunch because it carries well and it stays out of the fridge okay and that kind of stuff. So... I really wanted to enable people to incorporate more of the lifestyle of enjoying raw food and teaching people um, how to become their own home chef. Yeah, I think your books are incredibly comprehensive, especially for people who are just getting into the raw food world. And uh, yeah, your recipes are not only delicious, but they are 
easier than most people think. I do. I, a lot of people are like, oh, I got to get a dehydrator and I got to do this and I got to sprout my stuff. And it sounds so time consuming, but yeah, I think you've done a great job of making it um, a little more uh, attainable for people. Oh, thank you. And even with like the sprouting, you know, back, <laughs> I used to be so extreme about sprouting. And of course, always, you should always sprout whenever possible, soaking and sprouting nuts and seeds. But, you know, even for myself lately, because I travel so much, I just do the best I can now. I really let go of those reins of being really strict with myself because I found that it also caused stress. And I'm all about decreasing stress to increase longevity. So decreasing, like, wear and tear on the body and decreasing mental stress and emotional stress and really focusing on gratitude so that I can foster um, a sense of happiness. You know, so that's really been my approach lately. So that yeah, so that I felt that way. I when I did raw for a while, um, a while ago, many many years ago, when I first became vegan, and yeah, I did that. I was like loving sprouting. Then after a few months, I was like, wow, this is. I'm gonna have to let go of this every now and again because you're right. It it you you get so obsessed with like I gotta do it. I gotta do it perfect, you know. But once you let go of it, doesn't have to be perfect. I can do it whenever I want. It definitely changes your your being, your mentality for sure. Yeah, exactly. Because who wants to be perfect? I never want to be, I don't want to be perfect. That's like too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say you're, you're sitting at home and you're like, oh, gee, I'm hungry. I really wish I could have something quick like a sandwich. What would you do? What do you have on hand to do something like that kind of, you know, quickly when you're just hungry and want something fast? Well, like last night I had a late night out. I, I actually got to go see Moby's new band, which they were awesome. <laughs> And so it was way past my bedtime because I usually try and get to bed at like 10 and I got home I think at like midnight or something, but I was starving so I hadn't eaten dinner. And so lately I've been juicing. I've just, I like to test things on myself. So I'm on a 30-day like um, adding, I do beet, uh, celery, um, cucumber, parsley, lemon, and occasional carrot juice. I'm going to try it for 30 days and see if it makes a difference to me. So I have all this pulp leftover. So what I've been doing is I take the pulp, which is usually about two cups every day. And so I'll take, I took two cups of pulp and then I mixed in two cups of um, flax meal. And then mm-hmm. I mix it together with three cups of water. And then I spread it out on a dehydrator tray and make crackers. And so I have crackers on hand right now, which sometimes I don't because I, personally I prefer um, not dehydrating foods because I really love the structured water that comes to me through those fruits and vegetables. But um, since I had these crackers on hand, it was really easy for me to come home. And in the middle of the night, I, I was using my food processor. But I made that recipe I just told you. I put a handful of cashews in. I put a small garlic clove in. Um, I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't use um, salt. But what I put is I put a pinch of um, chipotle in there, and I squeezed a half of a lemon juice, and I just process it into like a, like a um, hummus texture. You know, and then I dipped my crackers in it. So, I mean, I made that at midnight. It took like two seconds, maybe not quite two. It took literally probably not even a minute to whip that up. And then, mm. I, had, and then I had my crackers, and so I was able to just snack on that, like just having like, you know, crackers and hummus style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely debunked the theory of, oh, i got to go home and dehydrate an entire meal and make a raw lasagna at 3 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And if I didn't have the dehydrated crackers, I what I love to do is use leaves or use carrots as like dipping. So you can either cut carrots or um, you, I love using romaine leaves because they're sort of like a boat 
and you can use that mm-hmm. to fill it. You can fill it with that cheese that I made and then chop up some tomatoes on top and avocado. That's really good, too. Yeah, that does sound good. So where can we find out more about you, buy your books, check out your videos, and all these great new things you've got going on? Oh, I have my website, which is my name. It's A-N-I-P, as in Peter, H-Y-O.com. I have... um, I have information on my books, I have recipes, I have um, links to my videos, because my videos are all over the internet, so it's best to find them there, and then, and I try to update it frequently, but I've been traveling so much lately, I'm a little behind, but I try to put up recipes often, and inspiration, and then even I have like a lifestyle section, so I talk about, I just sort of put things that I do, so that people could get like a little glimpse of things that I do and where I go and how I live eco-green type of thing. So I have that. And then also another good place to keep up with me is on Facebook. So I have a fan page on Facebook. I also have a friend page that I think I'm not able to add any more friends. So but people can join my fan page. And then I have a calendar of events. I usually try and make flyers in my fan page, fan, in my Facebook fan page. But also I have a calendar of events on my website. So I have... I'm going to Oklahoma City next week, and then I'm going to I'm going to be at Farm Sanctuary. I'm so excited to visit there. Um, early or late July, early August for their hoedown, and I'll be in, in Manhattan for the first week of August. So those are my next upcoming tour things. And yeah, and then also for hard to find ingredients for people who might live in the Midwest that are listening, um, we're lucky in these little pockets on the coast. But if there's some hard to find ingredients, I have a store online where I wanted to provide access to some of those things, like, you know, sea vegetables and spirulina and chlorella and, and, you know, different types of superfoods. It's called GoSuperLife.com. So it's a life that's super, full of super life and super friends and super love. So it's GoSuperLife.com. So, um, like, my favorite tools on there, like ceramic knives and Vitamix and dehydrators and, and things. So check that out, too. Nice. Well, thank you so much for all of your awesome information and your great stories because it makes it so relatable for people who are just kind of starting to flirt with the idea and uh, and all that you're doing. I'm very excited to see more from you. Uh, thank you so much, Carolyn. You're uh, such a busy girl. I'm, I'm so glad you were able to make it on the show today. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for inviting me. It was really fun. Great to talk with you. Likewise, don't go anywhere because we'll be right back. Are ye played by foreclosure? Well, here at Jim, Lott, and Matey, we can stop your foreclosure now. We're a mortgage rescue company, and for the small fee of everything you hold dear, we will negotiate with your lender on your behalf. Call Jim, Lott, and Matey at 1-800-YAR-YAR. That's 1-800-YAR-YAR-YAR. If you're facing foreclosure, talk to the right people. Speak with HUD-approved housing counselors free of charge at 888-995-HOPE. Brought to you by NeighborWorks America and the Ad Council. And we're just about to wrap up Healthy Voyager Radio for this week. Make sure you visit lunchboxbunch.com as well as anniepo.com. That's A-N-I-P-H-Y-O, anniepo.com for uh, delicious and healthy vegan recipes, health info, and more. You can find them both on Twitter as well as Facebook for the most updated info 
on these two gals. Um, make sure you join me next week for a great show about shopping. Who doesn't want to hear about shopping? Especially um, midsummer, we're going to be chatting about uh, some back to school stuff for the kitties. So, eco and vegan shopping with uh, Michelle Schwegman of Herbivore Clothing up in Portland, as well as Magda Rod of the Visionary Boutique, which is a wonderful roving um, remodeled Airstream um, trailer that uh, you can shop out of. So really, really neat uh, vegan and eco shopping next week for everyone listening as well as for some good back-to-school info. Uh, as for me, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Healthy Voyager. Uh, Facebook, I've got uh, the fan page and the group page. Uh, if anyone's on MySpace, you can check that out. I don't really update it that much, but it's there. Uh, YouTube channel, as well as a bunch of other sites. Um, again, of course, uh, the main place to find out info is at healthyvoyager.com. Make sure you uh, you join up and join the online social networking aspect of it. Become a uh, Healthy Voyager Passport Pal. You can do that right on healthyvoyager.com. Um, as well as sign up for the newsletter that comes out every Monday. So don't worry, we're not going to send you all kinds of stuff. It just comes out every Monday so you know what's new on the site that week as well as subscribers get uh, special offers and coupons. So be sure to subscribe for the newsletter as well as join up on the uh, the social networking aspect of healthyvoyager.com. Check it out. Um, I'd like to thank again Miss Kathy Patalski as well as Annie Pio one more time for all of their great info today. Be sure to check out uh, today's podcasts um, as well as past podcasts on healthyvoyager.com as well as iTunes and Zoom where you could subscribe and uh, it just pops onto your iPod whenever you're ready to listen to a show. All right, and before we head out, I'm going to play us out with a song by Erica Badu, a longtime vegan. This gal has some super smooth tunes and some big talent. Find out more about Erica at ericabadu.com, and that's E-R-Y-K-A-H-B-A-D-U.com. For those of you who uh, don't know too much about Miss Erica Badu, she's a, she's a great songstress and a life, uh, I don't know if a lifetime vegan, a longtime vegan, that's for sure. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me today on Healthy Voyager Radio. I am Carolyn Scott, the Healthy Voyager. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next week about shopping and all kinds of good stuff. And for now, enjoy Honey by Erica Badu. Bye. We hope you enjoy your train. From this point, ladies and gentlemen, on your own. New America, Fourth World War. Please tune to us for New America Part Two. I promise. Return of the Up. Give it to me, I'll give it to you. I promise. I promise. Please stay tuned for your special ingredient, honey. Four, I promise. Three, I promise. Two, American. Two and a half.